ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves. This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Why, hello there, superhumans. Boomer Anderson here, bringing you another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. Now, we haven't talked about this on the show before, and frankly, it's a subject that really needs more attention among the high-performing world. That subject is relationships, and my guest today is relationship expert Daria Heiteglau. You can find her on Instagram at Daria, that's D-A-R-Y-A dot Heiteglau, H-A-I-T-O-G-L-O-U. And Daria is a psychologist and relationship coach. She began her career managing international brands for Procter & Gamble in the UK and moved on to become a human resources manager before eventually becoming the HR talent leader at Procter & Gamble's Geneva Hub. She eventually quit her job, her lucrative corporate job in Switzerland, to move back to the UK to focus on helping transform people's life and work. She took her more than 10 years of experience, wrote a book, a best-selling book that is, called Enrich Your Relationships, and also writes for the Huffington Post and has been seen on the BBC morning and evening radio shows. Daria holds first-class honors in economics, bachelor's in philosophy, master's with distinction in international relations, and holds a master's of philosophy from the University of Cambridge. So yes, she is one smart cookie. She's also a certified NLP trainer, as well as a professional certified coach. She's worked across many different countries, speaks over five languages, and is a mother of two. So this conversation was so much fun for me. We talked about the top issues of high performers in relationships. Daria actually defines quite well what is a healthy relationship. She gives advice on how to reignite relationships when the sex has... I guess you can say uh, stumbled. She talks about how to create a plan for a relationship, which is something that I found fascinating. The use of relationship meetings and the power of date nights. We get into sex rewards, love languages, Viktor Frankl, and so much more. The show notes for this one can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Daria. That's D-A-R-Y-A. Enjoy the episode, my superhuman friends. The sponsor for today's podcast is Neurohacker Collective. The chairman, Jordan Greenhall, has been on the show to talk about one of my favorite topics and episodes to date, sovereignty. And the medical director has also been on the show to talk about unleashing your human potential through epigenetics. That's Dr. Daniel Stickler. But why do I love Neurohacker Collective so much? Well, frankly, it upgrades me on a day-to-day basis. Actually, I take their products five out of seven days of the week. Their original Qualia stack is something that I absolutely and still thoroughly enjoy. It's packed with over 40 premium brain nutrients to immediately enhance your focus, energy, mood, creativity, and all while supporting your health. Their new flagship nootropic, Qualia Mind, is a premium nootropic supplement that helps support mental performance and brain health. And frankly, with both products, I do not get the crashes that I commonly get with nootropics and other supplements. So I want you to go over to their website and check it out when you have a chance. It's neurohacker.com, and if you subscribe, you get 15% off by using the code BOOMER. If you want to just do a one-time purchase, you get 10% off, again, using that code BOOMER. And while you're there, pick up their free foundational guide to neurohacking. It's definitely worth checking out. 
but please enjoy the show. Daria, it's so good to see you. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi, Boomer. It's my pleasure. It's great to be here. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun today because this is a topic which we haven't tackled yet on the Decoding Superhuman podcast, but it's absolutely crucial when it comes to performance. And uh, we're going to talk about relationships. And uh, Daria, why don't we just get started by defining healthy relationships? What's a healthy relationship to you? Wow, it's great. I mean, my favorite topic, the relationship, generally a healthy relationship is defined by a person. Uh, so everybody has slightly different uh, meaning of a healthy relationship. For example, for me, healthy relationship is a foundation for my life. I believe, and also based on the psychological research from the Harvard Grant study, for example, it's the longest psychological research done in the history of psychology. We know that relationships is a foundation uh, for our performance, for our life, our success and fulfillment and happiness. And a healthy relationship is when we feel fulfilled and happy. That's how I define it. And uh, the way how I feel happy, of course, is is a whole topic, and it's different for men and women. Interestingly, uh, you know, I work with um, both men and women, and I notice that. For a man, a lot of the time, a healthy relationship could be that they're a romantic partner. In many cases, it's a woman uh, that she's happy. You know, a man's whole job is to make her happy. And that's, you know, if she's happy, he's happy. Very simple. Now, for a woman to be happy, that's a whole lot of work. <laughs> for her to be happy, things need to be worked out and the stars need to align and her period and the cycle need to be in the, in the right moment and everything is interconnected, her friendships, her work her uh, children if she has and there's a lot more so it depends who you talk to and for me healthy relationship is obviously as a woman I want to feel uh, healthy uh, generally as as a human Uh, I want to have high self-esteem that means I value myself and have hold high esteem of you know who I am have confidence and also have um, if I choose to a romantic partner and create a relationship model, or I call it a relationship blueprint that works for both of us, where we develop one plus one equals 11. So it's not just uh, one plus one equals three or two, but it actually multiplies. And I think that's the hardest part in our life is to be in a relationship. It's the, it's the work gym for our emotions. This is so good. And, and there's many points that I kind of want to jump off into the deep end on there. Uh, some of them resonate a little bit close to home. But let's talk about some of the top issues that you face with your clients, because you mentioned a few of them there uh, where maybe a man may not be fulfilled or a woman, etc. Uh, what are some of the top issues that clients come to you with? Wow. So I... Um, stopped working with the dysfunctional uh, models uh, of therapeutic models where clients would come for years to see me. So I started working with superhumans, with super functional beings where um, if they commit and we commit together to work on something, then we go for the result. I'm all all about the result and creating an effective model to um, make their uh, goals and and, uh, mission complete. So when they come to me, they already you know for example they want somebody who they can trust 
to help them sort out the issue in their relationship with the partner, either to find or enrich relationship with the existing partner. It can be lack of um, intimacy, lack of passion, lack of uh, fulfillment in sex life. It could be also lack of confidence. It could be that they come, uh, another client uh, who came recently, he's very uh, fulfilled in his business. He has an amazing business model that works for him, very wealthy in, in the confidence and financial domain, but uh, the relationship falling apart with his uh, partner, with his children. Um, he has a set of other relationships on the side and he's confused and he wants someone to sort of guide him through. He doesn't have time nor energy nor communication or understanding of how to make it work. Sometimes it's common sense, but it's not. You know, we're not taught how to make relationships work. And we are generally led by our models from the families we come from, from mommy and daddy, and they're not always very helpful or, uh, you know, functional. So we need somebody who uh, walks us through and create a new, repattern our blueprint and create a new blueprint of relationships. That's why uh, they come to me. And I have, I think, cracked the code of how to create this uh, blueprint. And you know, if people pay $100,000, it works you know so i'm i'm very happy to um to offer this because i think it worked for me because i struggled myself uh in relationships for a long time i was a insecure overachiever i worked in a um a very good successful company having a great career i had uh, multiple relationships but they were not fulfilling i had a marriage and it didn't work out. So I started looking into it. So I transitioned from my career from corporate world into psychology for that particular reason to find out what makes uh, me happy or not. And I invested myself, you know, 150,000 into my own education and my own uh, sort of development with coaches, experts, and my own psychologists to get to the level where I am. And I think that everyone can learn it. I mean, there's not like a, a genetic factor, like we're born into uh, knowing everything about relationships. Actually, we don't. And we follow either our parents' model or we automatically rebel and go against it. And that's kind of two uh, automatic routes. But most of the time, we're not aware that there are you know, processes and step-by-step instructions we can learn to create a very fulfilling relationship. And that's why clients come to me. Okay. So can we unpack this relationship blueprint a little bit? Because I think that would be interesting for some people. Uh, what, what does the relationship blueprint consist of really? And is there, I guess, things that we can do today to sort of identify some of the aspects of this blueprint? Great question. So the blueprint is like a map. Imagine if you're an architect and before you, or like you want to build a house, you, you want to make sure that you know a schedule and also a plan that you're going to build. The same mm-hmm. relationship. Most of the time we go with the factor of proximity. We find a p- partner who's close to us or who we know, and then we sort of, you know, get together, sleep and, and then make babies or not. And <laughs> this is all very simple. It's kind of uh, evolutionary. Um, but most of the time when we go to bed and during sex we have this hormone oxytocin that links together two people that may not be compatible and without creating a foundation they go into building a house that has no strong basis so the house collapses in many cases in 50 percent divorce rate around the world in some countries like belgium 72 so there's a high probability high chance that relationships 
will not work. But there is also um, a lot we can do about it. So the blueprint is about uh, understanding and creating the model that works for a particular individual. And it always is based first on the relationship we had with our parents because the, the make, what we make in our life, the, the way we make money, the, make, the way we make love is also linked to the way how we were loved as children. So we uh, unpack that and find out what was the um, set of beliefs as we were growing up as children that was as a context for us. And then we create based on the desires, longings, and uh, values, because every person has different set of values. What are uh, the principles for the relationship that that person needs to have that may include an, an alternative model for a relationship? You know, I'm not pro or against any sort of model, but I am um, for, the, for finding the right model for that particular person. The culture and sometimes it's religion, religious context or um, certain country context where we come from may not be necessarily the context where we live now. And our world is changing so rapidly. There are so many stresses. There's so much going on in the realm of relationship that we are not aware of it. I mean, we, when we work, we kind of go and follow sometimes the, uh, the status quo, but Actually, do we really understand who we are, what we want? How do we feel fulfilled and satisfied and finding the right match? Because biologically and neuro, uh, neurologically, there, there is already research that shows that we can find a better match. And if we know, if we already have a partner who we want to enrich relationship with, we know that there are certain uh, let's say practices and behavior we can do to... Uh, make that relationship longer more successful. Okay. So based on, uh, I'm taking a lot of notes here because I find this absolutely fascinating, but it, going back down and stripping away to the principles of relationships and building those principles of the relationship, can two people coexist in a relationship who have uh, maybe different desires, different outcomes uh, or I guess maybe even different principles for a relationship. Can two people coexist? And if so, what does compromise look like? I love this. This is a very common question actually from top achievers because most of the time, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Actually, it's in my book. And it's also part of the course and the program that I call Enrich uh, Your Relationship Program. But I'll tell you in brief. So uh, there are four categories of people. We know it from, from the uh, neuroscientific research. And there are different circuitry. So let's call the first circuitry explorers. There's definitely people who love risk and adventure. And they're like, they, the, the, the hormone that dominates there is dopamine. And for them, the best match is also a partner from the same category called explorer, right? The opposite of that is called builder. They're um, people who are led by a circuitry called serotonin circuitry. And they are more traditional, loyal, uh, great finance, uh, great lawyers, so sort of to the ground. The best partner for them is from the same category. But not knowing about this type of thing, you know, a lot of time people find um, partners from the opposite category. And of course, they have different desires. One wants to go and explore the world. One wants to sit and have a cozy meal at home around the fire. <laughs> fireplace right so what how do we do that 
And like my parents are a great example. Uh, they're very different. And uh, yes, the answer is yes, it's possible. You see, women and men generally they have different desires. Women want to be cherished and um, loved and desired, and uh, uh, they want to be seen. Whereas men want to be respected and appreciated for what they do. And these are different desires. The way to coexist, or I would say not even coexist, to create passionate relationship, because I'm not about coexistence. My level is extraordinary, passionate relationship that gives you um, fire to be super productive and effective in what you want to do and fulfill your mission long-term, uh, what you want to do in this life. Now, uh, is it possible to have people from different, let's say, planets, like John Gray says, you know, from Mars and from Venus? Yes. And that just takes a little bit more effort and strategic thinking because most of the time the problem that top achievers have, they prioritize business. And that's why relationships go to the, the background. and we don't know how to work with the relationship. We don't go to school you know, to learn about the relationship. We just think, okay, it's common sense. We should know it. Um, everybody does it. You know, it should be fine, but it's not fine. And it's not common sense. It's actually more difficult. Uh, we create relationship to um, give birth to humans. But once we give birth to humans, they sort of block that part of our relationship and sex life, you know, after kids, the sex life is completely different. And that's an interesting element to look into. Now, yes, it's possible to create the whole chemistry and dynamic, but someone needs to work on it. It's not going to be automatically peaceful, beautiful, and everything should be fine. No, it's an area of utmost importance. And by the way, if we look at it from an investment standpoint, I think it it's worth much more investment than even our professional choices because we could do pretty much anything at work, you know, the way, maybe the different way how we do it, but creating a, and uh, finding an enriching relationship with the right partner will create a basis for, um, for either fly, you know, kind of up or out, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Fly or you fall because... I see a lot of successful um, achievers, and actually I work with one of the top athletes who has a direct effect when his sex life is not fulfilled and going in the wrong direction with his partner. His performance is affected big time. And uh, he can do see... You do you mind just explaining that a little bit? So basically there's a direct correlation between him having sex and him performing well on the football field. Is that right? And by football, we're talking soccer for the Americans listening. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's take this as an example. What I mean is not just um, the amount of sex because people sometimes these days, you know, they substitute the porno or whatever, masturbation for sex. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about that. I actually written a whole article about the benefits of sex and making love. And we know from the research, there's a certain hormones and the hormonal balances that created in our body uh, for focus, for productivity, for um, lasting performance after an intercourse with a human. <laughs> mm -hmm. And especially if there is an, a, a positive emotion involved. After organs, organ, for example, there's a hormone called prolactin that gets released in the body that relaxes and um, creates a beautiful sleep 
That's why people after orgasm want to go to sleep, especially men. Um, we know, for example, oxytocin gets released when um, we hug and we, we have that embrace during, during sex life. And um, the certain rhythm and finding, again, the right blueprint for the sex uh, model, what type of sex, what type of intimacy, what is intimacy? Because intimacy could be into me, see, for a woman, intimacy for a man could be uh, a blowjob. You know, it could be completely different set of um, expectations and these need to be unpacked and discussed and also aligned between the partners. And I think that's the platform that needs to be created for every human being if they want to achieve rock stars level okay so i i guess on the intimacy point i i, I want to just double click if you will so intimacy if you have two people that have uh, i guess two different levels of intimacy desire desires forgive me if i'm using the wrong word but how do you get them to sort of see eye to eye and thrive uh in order to build this successful relationship the return on relationships, etc. Well, there's a whole art and science to it. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, this reminds me of uh, one of my clients who came and they said, look, I want much more sex than uh, she does. And the opposite is possible when she wants a lot more sex than he does. Or him and he, or she and she. I mean, I work with different models. It can be um, also polyamorous relationship, which is more interesting. But um, let's take it very simple. So, uh, the latest example, he wanted more and she didn't. How do you reconcile that? There's uh, an art to first create space to discuss these things and find out what are the longings because it's not just the quantity, it's all about the quality. And uh, we think it's, it's the quantity that we need in order to feel satisfied and fulfilled, but actually we're looking for the highest impact and the highest impact can have different KPIs, different measurements. <laughs> there, you, there you go. You're speaking the language of a lot of people listening right now. Excellent. So, you know, for, for example, um, if orgasm is a, is a KPI, what type of orgasm? For example, if we go to uh, analogy of food, we can go to have a fast food, like a you know, masturbation or watching porn. This is fast food uh, sex. We can go to a normal restaurant and have you know a normal meal like a average kind of intercourse that doesn't bring a lot of emotions or we can go to a michelin star restaurant or like a super health food which um, nourishes us and we have this food that we remember for years and our palate and the taste buds will remember that meal forever now that kind of relationship and sex i'm talking about right mm -hmm. so that takes a bit of practice between the couple and it, um, if one is willing to explore, that's the only thing that is important. And one wants to improve. That is already a recipe for success. If one is completely shut down and doesn't want to explore and says, look, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I don't want to do anything about it. And the other one is unhappy and wants to do something about it. The only route for that part, and I work sometimes in couples with they have the struggle. We work systemically, and that means we do systemic constellation for one partner. And I say to, to them, there is always a risk of parting because if one wants to move one direction and the other one stops and doesn't want to work, there is a risk. But um, 
the conversation starts always with what do you want? What do I want? What is the common ground? What is the, what is the, the, the greater good? How can we have both this and this? And what is more important? Why do we want certain things? Because sometimes we think we want certain things because of whatever, pleasure. But we actually want to be seen more or we want to be respected. We want to have variety. What are our actual driving forces? What are our values? If the variety is a value, I can tell you, uh, you can have multiple relationships with different people or you can have multiple relationships with the same person. Mm-hmm. There's so much to explore with the same person. I mean, if I didn't work on my relationship with my current husband, I would have divorced him multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The only thing that keeps us together, we are completely different people. We are from different cultures. I'm from Siberia, from Russia. He's from Greece. Uh, we have children born in Switzerland. We live in, in the UK. Like conglomerate, we have busy lifestyles, we have different intimacy patterns, we have different desires and needs, and we manage it because I prioritize it and he prioritizes because I want it and he wants to make me happy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we find, um, and I use my own medicine that I teach and share with my clients. There's a pattern and there is a, a structure that I uh, wrote in my book called Enriched Relationship 10 Secrets to. Um, uh, to rekindle your intimate life, which I'm happy to share. And it is very simple, but it will take a little bit of time for me to, to explain what it is. But Let's it, go into it. Okay. It always starts with first exploration. So if you think about the word enrich, enrich. So E stands for explore versus routine. We fall into routines because we're habitual human beings. And um, we tend to fall into routines, when, especially under stress. So the first rule is always explore, explore what you want, explore what kind of relationship uh, you want to create and discuss that because we don't have avenues. I mean, I book time with my partner to go on a date every Friday. I book time to go on a month. This month, uh, this summer, we had one month, just two of us on a boat. I mean, this takes a lot of effort, but pays all the bills it pays immediately we have an amazing life and we're fueled by this sexual energy we drive our businesses through the sexual energy and it's not just us top performers use that most of top performers use the sexual drive to um, catapult their business so the first is explore second is nourish versus deplete we are malnourished we don't uh, look after our sex life i mean we just use uh, the fast food a lot right <laughs> that's why yeah we feel like something is missing and when i tell nourish uh, this is all about practices that build our own system and your all about health. So how do we bring health back into our life? How do we sleep well? How do we use nutrition? How do we um, fulfill and fill up our bucket of positive energy so we can share the love, we can share the time together? Then the third comes to play, which is R, respond versus react. Too much we're in the reactive mood because, okay, our partner comes and something is wrong or we're feeling judged or criticized or not good enough, not able, not capable. And that's when we are going into stress mode of reactivity. And I'm, my system and what I'm specializing in a systemic way, it's all about responding. So learning 
as a prevention method to respond to stress. And I have a unique set of tools that I share as a toolbox to, uh, to learn how to respond to stress. For example, a preventative um, map relationship. So every year during Christmas time, we sit together with my husband and we write our relationship plan for the next year. What does a relationship plan look like? Because I've, I'm, I'm into plans. You know me. I'm into plans. What does that look like? Yeah. So for us, it, we actually took it from our previous job in Procter & Gamble. It was a business plan with so goals long-term. We have a mission for our family. What do we want to stand for after 50 years? What do we want to give as a legacy to our children and grandchildren? Then we have long-term plans. We have mid-term and short-term. Short-term, it's one or two years. And then for each of the category, body, so health, we have KPIs, we have measurements, we have timeline, and we commit. And every quarter, we review this plan for our relationship. For example, how many dates do we want to have? What type of intimacy do we want to have? What type of trips do we want to have? Um, what type of, how many kids do we want to have? What type of uh, values and principles and traditions do we want to build in our family? And how is that important? And because if we don't book time for us in our calendar, we don't meet on maybe it's kind of like an afterthought oh you know how about this you know and then it becomes like a demand rather than um, anticipation you know like excitement so once we're clear on strategy then we go into the execution we have an action plan that we put in our calendar and every week we have um, a logistic meeting and that's separate to the romantic meeting okay that is one of the very practical and important pieces that a lot of top performers that I work, they implement and it drives their intimate life to the new highs because they prioritize that piece and they don't bog down or they don't start looking into logistics while they're in, in an intimate zone. And they create, like, uh, for example, rewards. They create one of the best tricks for high performing, um, high performance is linking the high performance to a sex reward so for mm -hmm. example we set up our challenges and we give each other sex tokens for example i know nice. what my husband wants and if he fulfills my desires i give him a sex token and i allow him to do whatever he wants the mm -hmm. same he, he does for me and we have our um let's say pleasure zones when we go and we explore and we we, we search for for the depth so we you know there are multiple ways to look into that area uh, that is, let's say, healthier ways to look into that area rather than using, I would say, not that holistic approaches or behind the scenes approaches that happen. I mean, and they create issues when people are not truthful, when people hide, when people um, are not fulfilling their desires and they hide their desires from their partners. That's one of the things that people rob themselves from because when i find more about my partner's desire i want to fulfill that naturally but if i don't know i don't do anything i you know i want him to fulfill my desires instead so if we don't communicate then nothing happens in that in that shop in that department and then after responding did I answer your question on the plan? Uh, you, you totally did. And sorry to divert you because I know we're going through the, the formula here, but that was, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it helps. And actually, it, it's kind of like 
we write it and then quarterly we revisit only for the short term just to see where we are on track or track and we review and revisit and it helps us both and uh, we're very high achievers so we put very you know a lot of goals and sometimes we feel bad and so we adjust sometimes we put little step by step and then we feel no it's not enough let's put more so it's just like a communication process and we do it once a year to write the whole thing or we write midterm but every quarter we we adjust and we look at it and it works so after respond there's another uh, letter is i imagine imagine versus willpower and it's all about using our imagination, like Einstein said, you know, it's all uh, the creativity stems. You can create everything with your imagination, but not with your willpower. Sometimes we want to change our relationship, but we can't because we, we don't see sort of uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we, we drop too, um, uh, too often, too early, uh, our um, uh, sort of desire to to, to make it work. And there are multiple tools that I use in, in sessions uh, to use imagination. You can just ask me anything, but I, I'll, I'll just go quickly through the framework so it's, uh, it's understood. After imagination, it's, a, it's, a, it's about communication. Communicate versus assume. And the main principle is communicate, communicate, communicate. And uh, one of the framework that I like, that's very simple, it's called sandwich. So never start with the negative with your partner. Always, always start with the positive. So whatever you want to discuss, if you don't like something, you always start with the positive, what you appreciate and you like and you love and you desire, whatever. And then share something that you don't like and then finish it with the positive. So you kind of put that like two buns and, and the, the sandwich piece. Mm -hmm. So on the, on the communications part, Daria, because this is one that I know a lot of guys have issues with. Um, how do you recommend somebody who is not a great communicator in their relationship to sort of open up that door and really just start talking? Because sometimes that first conversation can be very frightening for people because they've operated in a certain way for a certain amount of years. And now all of a sudden it's like the kimono is open. Yes. How, how do you do that? Well, that's why the whole structure works together. So you never start with communication. You first explore what you want, mm -hmm. you go for it. Then you nurture and nourish each other and you sell first. So that's why when the first couple of sessions we have, it's all about building that self-esteem. We will find uh, what's good about the partner. We never start with sharing negatives. I mean, who wants to be judged or criticized? I mean, no one does, right? We want to be loved and we want to be respected. That's why people find other relationships. That's why uh, people cheat. That's why people uh, break up because they don't feel fulfilled and they don't feel nourished. And most of the problems are because of that. And communication happens because we don't, uh, the communication issues happen because we don't know how to communicate so i'm telling you always start with the positive and for men particularly i i deal with a lot of men who say look i, I just don't want to deal with it just could you please sort out this this piece <laughs> i just want to know exactly what i need to do and that's it i don't want to do anything else and you will be surprised how much i mean everybody feels right i mean Man or woman, we all feel, we all have emotions. We just don't express them. I mean, men don't express them as much as women do. But if there is a very uh, 
prescriptive structure how that meeting can go. I mean, most men deal with it fine. And then it opens a whole new level of possibilities. Imagine if that's like a Pandora box that once you open, there's like a gem inside. It's a diamond inside. There's like a, um, you know, this is like the coolest investment you can do is to learn how to communicate with your partner. Would you do that? You learn. Of course you would. It's just we don't know how important it is and how to make it simple because it sounds and looks complicated when we deal with women. <laughs> because the female brain is very complex in its design. But there is an uh, even instruction and toolbox to that. <laughs> so it's all possible. And that's the good news. And you know, we, we start by acknowledging the fact that there's uh, a difference in the way how we communicate. Men tend to, they want to fix things and they women want to just express how they feel. And every day we practice with my husband. You know, we had a conversation yesterday. He's in New York and I phoned him like, oh, I know I'm frustrated about this and, you know, I'm really tired about and kids are sick, blah, blah. and he's like, okay, I'm managing it. I'm managing it. I'm not giving any solutions. I'm not fixing things. I'm just listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> trying his best and uh, every man can do it and I felt so good afterwards that I felt listened I felt seen I didn't feel like he wanted to fix me or uh, downgrade my um, longing or my desire and it felt good but at the beginning we couldn't do that so my home is my laboratory and I know if we can do it we have one of the I think toughest cases <laughs> everyone can do it because I had all sorts of problems in my relationship so if I manage to sort them out everyone can <laughs> okay so then after communicating the last one is H stands for hugs and humor and that's an important one because I think we underhugged people underhugged planet um, Virginia Satir who was the grandmother of family therapy used to say we need four hugs a day to survive eight hugs a day to live a good life and 12 hugs a day to thrive now how many hugs a day do we have I mean if we don't have kids very little I mean we don't even hug our you know at work we just kind of shake hands and you know but with our intimate partner this that's an opportunity to reconnect and have that hormonal balance in humor in a positive way. So this is a structure that I go through in the program that I have online, in my book, in sessions with the clients, and in the retreats and workshops that I do. So here we go. You, you have this, the, the frame. It's quite simple, but there are all the nuances that are obviously each person, but we can all figure it out now knowing the framework. This is awesome. Thank you for walking through all of it. Um, this is so cool. And there's so many things I want to deep dive into, but perhaps uh, just in the interest of time, because I know we have a limited amount of it. Can I just ask you a few questions about different uh, relationship elements, if you will, polyamorous relationships. And this is something that actually came from a listener who is trying to make them work and for whatever reason, can't figure it out. I, I, I'm not a polyamorous person, but that's not to say that they can't work for certain people. How do you make a polyamorous relationship work? Mm, that's a wonderful question. And I see more and more now unions. I don't call it, it's not coupledom. It's like a, yeah, it's a polyamorous union that um, 
create a new set of rules and beliefs and structures that work for them. Again, they are all unique. You will not find a very the same polyamorous union because some have certain children from previous relationships, some don't, and the way how they uh, they work it out. But polyamorous, uh, and the word is Greek, it's many loves. So it's a f- people have different partners. They may have one primary partner who they live with, and then they welcome their partners uh, in their union uh, where for uh, under the roof or in certain context. And they accept each other. It's not like a open relationship where people can go and have different relationships, but it actually is a sort of like a little tribe where they live together and they could have different relationships. Sometimes uh, women have a relationship between women and men between women. I mean, it's all a spectrum, right? I mean, I believe that five to ten percent of all of us, and the same in animal animal kingdom, they're totally monogamous, and five to ten percent they're totally non-monogamous but everything else is in between on the spectrum so finding out what you prefer and how you would like that to be and then finding space that is not uh stressed stressful but just preventative like finding time after a good meal maybe after a good sex to discuss what would be the principles for that union uh, what are you for who's going to satisfy what type of needs because you see these days we want everything to be satisfied from mostly one partner you know to, to have a great um, and loyal partner to have a lot of fun and adventure to have um, a very strong friendship with that partner to have a great love lover sort of romantic relationship and parental be a parent to the children and have financial stability I mean everything now we live twice as long and it really is not possible it used to be a village to raise a, a person now it's we live in small blocks of flats or houses and we raise children separately we it's very very hard it's so so much stress and pressure on each family so polyamorous relationship actually can give i think more room for um for having less stress for raising children now i'm not pro or against i'm just you know a a calm observer and uh, what i see and when i help polyamorous unions is that they have a fantastic tools developed for communication, for example, because they have to communicate even more proactively and responding to certain elements and stress. How do they deal with jealousy? How do they deal with trust? How do they deal with STDs? How do they deal with um, children and communication? And how do they deal with communication with the external partners and family of, of their partners, etc.? So the question is how to build a healthy polyamorous relationship. The answer is go through this structure let's say explore first, then make sure you nourish and have time individually with each partner. Then have uh, the relationship of triangle if there are children, one child, another child, and have time, dedicated time for each member of that polyamorous union. Then learn how to respond under stress. You know, what are, what are um, your primal uh, stress mechanism understand that communicate use your imagination imagine what would ideal relationship look like how would that be under that roof um, all together including are you on the same page with the rest with the other members of your tribe then communicate the set of rules and 
communication is super important in that context. And then use a lot of uh, humor and hugs to make sure that um, all the processes are smooth and then um, they are not sort of byproduct of the life uh, by definition, but they're strategic choices that people make and they go to that consciously and mindfully. Excellent, excellent. Common theme, particularly among some of my friends who are married, uh, pre-marriage, sex life is pretty good. After marriage, sex life is not so great or non-existent. For someone in a long-term relationship, what are some just easily actionable things that they could do today uh, to make or re relight the flame, so to speak, in terms of sex? How would you recommend maybe just a couple of little tidbits people can take away for today? Yeah, yeah, it's such an important topic. I think if only we could sort out the sex life after kids are born, <laughs> the world would be a better place. Less violence, less emotional suffering, less uh, depression, less anxiety, so much more love and, and flow. I think the one, I would say, easiest and most important thing couples can do after they give birth, give birth to children is to reconnect just two of them to find time when they have childcare sorted and on a regular basis. And I mean, weekly regular basis to connect, um, going away from their home in a hotel, like Japanese people are so good at it. They book the love hotel for a night or for a couple of hours. They go have sex, they create their fantasy world. They come back to their house because they live in very thin walled houses. So they, they have not, they don't have any other choices. We should adopt similar strategy. We should book uh, our romantic time with our partner after children are born because let's face it, it's very hard to, to have wild sex in a house next to a room full of children or even a one child, right? I mean, we're always on the guard. Like, are we seen? Are we doing the right thing? Are we good parents? Are we good this and that? And we have so many logistical nuances to sort out before we jump into the romantic uh, state because you see, sex is the outcome is a consequence of the desire and the desire needs space to be created when we're so close to each other every day like we see each other so close we don't have the tension we don't have the polarity anymore and when we're too far we travel all the time we don't have that friction anymore so it's, it's like you need to have a space in between and find the, that space that is uh, polarity driven passion driven space and it's created somewhere but it's not next to children yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes and especially like for a couple hundred bucks once a week you can go and get away and have uh have a little fun time right oh yes just go on a, on a car ride go to like a, a, a nearby i don't know woods or forest make love in a car just go to a restaurant and you know have a walk and talk about the time when you were um, dating, how amazing it was, because in our brain, same regions uh, get fired, neurotransmitters get released in the same regions. Even if we um, remember something from the past or imagine something for the future, it's like we're living it now. Mm -hmm. We just don't 
focus on that enough. So going back in memories and relieving, reducing, re- just focusing on the positives, how it was, or imagine it. Oh, ooh, look, if, let's imagine we were dating. I love this game. I go um, on a date with my husband and I pretend we're not married. I pretend, we both pretend <laughs> that we're dating and he needs to um, win me over. That works so well. Another game is pretending we live in a harem and I want to be wife number one. <laughs> <laughs> All my demands and the criticism and like expecting him to do certain things, but I'm like, I dress up, I have I put a little bit of you know makeup, I, I wear nice things and, and I start behaving differently and I change my state from demand and expectations to anticipation and enticement. The same for a man. doesn't expect his woman to do or be certain, in a certain way, but he looks at her as a girlfriend. And the same works in lesbian and gay couples. It works wonders. Daria, a lot of this is audio gold. I mean, anticipation and enticement, that's fantastic. A few final questions that I ask everybody before we, we get going. Uh, the first one is, you know, what's your top trick you're a high performer, right? So what's your top trick for enhancing your focus? You have children, you have a husband. Uh, how do you get more done in less time? Oh, I love that. So one of the things that I mentioned is to incentivize yourself by having a sex-driven goal. So for example, if I want um, to have more intimacy with my partner, I know his love language is service. He wants me to do certain things for him. And I ask him, what can I do for you? You know, what I, what, how can I be helpful for you this week? And I know if I do that, then I have an amazing, you know, sex date with him. Um, then what keeps what drives focus we know from the research of course is exercise so we have two trampoline in our little room that we turned into a gym room and we use them every single day i go with kids i know a lot of parents don't have time i don't have time in the morning i drag my kids to to the gym room with me and we jump and we have lots of fun and that's how i get my oxytocin level high i get my um endorphins high so when i start focusing on something that is very important first thing in the morning i block two three hours to be productive but before that i do physical activity excellent what's your favorite book on peak performance Oh my God, there's so many, but I will be very provocative here. And I think um, my favorite book of, of all times is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Such a good book. Yeah, and it's, it's not about high performance, of course, but it is about high performance because once we find the meaning in our life, once we have our passion and longing and we do what we love, it will drive our performance. And if we, if we use our sexual energy and we don't go to fast food and we don't normally go to like a routine restaurant, but we go to Michelin star, super restaurant, and we have amazing sex uh, life, then that's a recipe for super productivity. Mm-hmm. And since you're in the UK, it's like going to the fat duck versus going to, uh, well, we already mentioned McDonald's, but the golden arches, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, what is your the biggest problem you have with the health world at the moment? Well, the biggest problem with health world, I mean, there are many, but one of them is that we look at consequences all the time and we think that these are problems. 
I mean, there are problems because they're already sort of the results of the decisions we've made, but we don't look deep enough into why we have certain issues. And I think that's where the root causes for, and the root uh, solutions, not cause, the root solutions lie. So we need to dig deeper and mm -hmm. look at our relationship with our parents, how we were loved, if we need to repattern and change them, do the inner work, do our work, and then our health is a result of that. That's extremely well said. So one more question before I asked how people can find out more about you uh, is what is health to you? Well, for me, health is a combination of vitality, how energetically I feel, uh, and depending on how long I want to live, right, is sort of the ability to, to do and to, to have and to be in a state where I feel productive, um, fulfilled, and enriched. So it's like energy-rich state in a way. So mm -hmm. for me, it's all about energy management. And um, it, could it could be even having a generative disease or something that is so like cancer. But I, you know, I could he feel healthy if that is sort of part of my path. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Health for me is this ability to manage energy and be in a state where I can, um, I can do and have and be where I want to be. Daria, if people wanted to learn more about you, where could they go? And if you don't mind, I'd love to give the listeners a taste on what Enrich Global is. Oh, well, um, they can find me on my website. Uh, it's hard to pronounce. You probably need to write dariahaitoglow.com mm -hmm. or go to enrich.global. It's an organization, it's a website, uh, it's a platform that we created for phenomenal transformations. And uh, me and my husband, we run uh, Enrich retreats in paradise locations around the world where we gather top performance um, athletes or leaders in their fields and we go through five-day transformational journey with them, uh, doing family constellation, going into the relationship of um, repatterning relationship models and creating blueprints for successful and productive life. And we have tools, uh, products, and retreats and corporate offerings there. So enrich.global. And we'll link to all of this on the show notes, but Daria, you know, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and this conversation I hope is one of many because this is a topic that particularly in the high performance world needs a lot more attention and I really enjoy learning from you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me and I hope we've unpacked some of the important parts and the time is well spent. It's a great investment to have in. Absolutely. And to all the superhumans listening out there, thank you so much. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any 
one of your favorite podcast listening platforms and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally, for those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health.